This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm quantum dave michaels i'm quantum brian betts and we are the quantum cape podcasters and this is the show that like the movie we're talking about this week is putting quantum in front of everything all of the things all of the quantum things because this week we are talking about quantum marvel studios quantum ant-man and the quantum wasp from 2018 directed by the fucking quantum peyton reed peyton fucking reed well, yeah, it's really hard to stay in my head of make sure you put quantum in front of everything while you talk, Dave. Quantum Dave. Quantum Dave. See? It's tricky. It is tricky. That sometimes you got to eliminate the fucking, to disrespect the man who made this wonderful film, <laughs> just so you can keep the bit alive. I think you still got the fucking in there. It's just a- Did I? I blacked out. I have no clue what I even said. <laughs> there was a lot of quantum. There might have been some fucking, some quantum fucking. I don't know. Quantum fucking. Is that a tab somewhere on a porn site? I'm going to say 100% yes. But there's a lot of hesitation there, and hear me out, Brian. We've now conquered IMDb. Okay. We have not conquered a porn site yet. Is this a possible new direction? We flirted with the idea in the past of porn parodies. A lot. I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of quantum commitment. (laughs) Fair enough. Stay tuned. Maybe? Only on Patreon or Patreon After Dark. I don't know what they call that. That's a great Except I do. It's, it's totally OnlyFans. That's what it is. That is what it is. But today, for realsies, we are talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp from 2018, directed by Haley Payton fucking Reed. Brian, you've obviously seen this thing before. It's an MCU movie. Absolutely. I've seen it several times, and every time, I'm like, yeah, I like that. I like that quite a bit. And I don't blame you for that, because this is my first time seeing it, and... I didn't check my phone once, and that says something. Yeah, it does. Because I thought this movie was a delight. It is so much fun. It's Ant-Man. He's back. Exactly. And you can't go wrong with Paul Rudd. It's really hard to go wrong with old crap bag. (laughs) Do you just want to get right into this thing? Yeah, let's do it. We pick up right at the end of Ant-Man with Hank Pym, played by Michael fucking Douglas, explaining to his daughter Hope, played by Evangeline Lilly, the mission where he lost her mother, Janet Van Dyne. Harkens back to 1987. Hank and Janet, the original Ant-Man and the Wasp, were on this particular mission, and they shrink themselves down to stop a Soviet nuclear missile from detonating inside American territory. They saved thousands of lives, they said. Thousands. But because they can't shrink small enough to slip between the steel plates, Janet has to go subatomic to drop the missile into the ocean, she is forever lost to the quantum realm and presumed dead. Right. It sets the rules of going subatomic, and it's bad MK. Exactly. And we've seen all of this already in the first Ant-Man movie, but now we're just, we're just recapping. I appreciate a good rehash. I do too. So we cut back to Hank talking to Hope in the past-ish, telling her now that Ant-Man, Scott Lang, Paul fucking Rudd, has gone subatomic and managed to return... Hank now believes there may be a way to bring back Janet. It's a really, really good theory, and I think it's a pretty smart and simple theory. Yeah. 
It's like, hey, he came back. We could probably get your mom back, too. Yeah, even though she probably hasn't eaten in 30 years or done anything in 30 years. I don't know how any of this works, but I don't let's know. find out the hard way. With that sweet Michael Giacchino intro fanfare. Oh, yeah. It's always a treat. I love the way they just they set it up. They're like, we can get Janet back. Dun, 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 dun. Like, yeah, we're doing it. Let's go. Yeah, why not? The stakes are set. The stage is set. Here we go. Present day. Scott has been under house arrest for the last two years after violating the Sokovia Accords by working with Captain America in Germany. He's spending his day with his daughter, Cassie, played by Abby fucking Ryder fucking Fortson. Yep, that's it. (laughs) It's weird that you give it to a child, but deserved. Scott has constructed an entire elaborate cardboard anthill adventure for he and Cassie to play in, this cardboard fort. I feel like when you say elaborate, that is just... The biggest understatement that's ever been said? Oh, yeah, it's insane. Like, there are tunnels here, and they're both just really into this game, and I really love that. Being a dad myself is great. Yeah. But, man, this escalates so much once they have to do their escape. Yeah, they go on this epic adventure, and they find the micro treasure, which is, of course, a world's greatest grandma trophy. Of course. And I love how Cassie says, yeah, they ran out of world's greatest dads, but you earned a trophy. Here you go. And that's very sweet. It is very sweet. So they retrieve this micro treasure and Scott and Cassie make their daring escape via a slide that goes down the staircase and out the door. Not even just out the door. It goes like out the front door and then it goes down the outside steps. And then I love how Scott's like, crash landing! And they just demolish that fence. They absolutely do. No regard for the fence. No regard at all for the fence. And the only part of his body that goes through this fence is, of course, the foot with the ankle monitor on it. (laughs) Right. Nothing else, just the part that isn't allowed to. So obviously, the entire FBI has to show up to check in on him, led, of course, by Agent Jimmy Woo, played by Randall fucking Park. I love Randall Park so much. And just seeing him here, how could you not want more of him? Just his own show, doing whatever he wants to do, because he can do it all. Give me more Jimmy Woo, period. Full stop. That's all I want. And the best part about him is I love this relationship that he has with Scott because he seems very cool with Scott, but he also has to lay down the law of like, you broke the law. I have to enforce the law. Also, you're kind of cool. Right. But I got to be the law still. Exactly. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm the FBI. I can't just, you know, hang out with Scott and let him get away with all sorts of shenanigans if That ankle monitor makes the dingy ding noise. I got to show up and search the entire place to make sure he's not Ant-Man and around. That's right. Scott explains that he's had to get creative to entertain Cassie and has even learned close-up magic. Oh, God, it's so good. And Jimmy Woo is a big fan of the close-up magic. Yes, he is. (laughs) Now, this is my first IMDb trivia fact of the movie, and this one I suspect is a caped trivia fact. Right away, huh? Right away, just out the gate. Randall Park is located at 35 Huntington Street, Cortland, New York, and has a 4.5 out of 5 on Google Maps, and it has been described as calm, usually no one around, a great place to get your mind straight, take a breath, and snap back to reality. Oh, that's completely true. I don't know why you're saying it's caped like it's a bad thing. I Googled all that. It's real. You did your research. I sure did. And it has a baseball field and a playground and looks boring as shit. And also, it's playing Agent Jimmy Woo in this movie. That's right. The park came alive, and it is playing our beloved Jimmy Woo. Thanks for that one. You're very welcome. (laughs) I don't know what's been approved. I stopped looking. So, whatever you tell me, I'm very excited. (laughs) 
The FBI leaves, and Cassie goes home with Maggie, played, of course, by Judy Greer, and Jim, played by Bobby Cannavale. Bobby fucking Cannavale, thank you. Oh, my bad. And Judy fucking Greer. Yeah, they're both a treat, but Bobby Cannavale is a, a particular treat that I just love in this movie so, so, so much. They're barely in this movie, but when they're there, they're just so good. They that really was the are. word there a lot. Yeah, you did it. You it hit like all quantum variations there. of it, I think, too. With only three days left under house arrest, Scott does what he can to keep himself occupied. As he's taking a bath, he slips off into a dream where he finds himself as Janet Van Dyne, Michelle fucking Pfeiffer, playing hide-and-seek with a little girl. It's really well done because you're watching him open this wardrobe up, and he sees the little girl in there. He's calling her Jelly Bean, and then you look into the mirror of the inside of the wardrobe, and it is Michelle Pfeiffer. And right away, you're going, okay, that's some fuckery. Something's afoot. I like this. Scott wakes up, calls Hank, despite not having spoken to him or Hope since his arrest, and he leaves a voicemail about the dream, realizing in the moment just how silly it sounds. Yeah, but he also calls them right after Jimmy Woo leaves, saying, hey, have you had any contact with Hank Pym or Hope Van Dyne any time in the past, <laughs> you know, two years where even under house stress? He's like, nope. It might as well be a smash cut to him calling them. Yeah, might as well be. But with a fucky dream in the middle. Exactly. A couple hours later, Scott is bitten by a bug flying through his room, and he passes out. Not great. Scott wakes up to find Hope driving him somewhere in a shrunken van, and he's like, hey, I'm on house arrest. I can't be here. And she's like, don't worry. We took your ankle monitor off. <laughs> we put it on this giant ant that's mimicking your daily routine. I love how they trained an ant to do his daily routine, where it pretty much just wakes up, plays drums, sits around, watches TV for five hours, and then goes into the bathroom for another two hours. And Paul Rush is like, don't judge. <laughs> you don't know what I'm going through. Don't judge. Yeah, it's tough out here. This is, of course, pre-pandemic when we all had that routine. Exactly. They arrive at a lab where Hank and Hope show Scott that they have created a tunnel to the quantum realm in hopes of bringing back Janet Van Dyne. And I find it pretty amazing that Hank Pym has all these giant ants trained to just build things. Yeah. I mean, if you have the time, I guess. I guess, but it seems very selfish that he's using it for his own science reasons and not, like, for infrastructure in the world or something. Yeah, but isn't that kind of peak Hank Pym? That's true. And also, I guarantee those ants would unionize so damn fast. <laughs> Probably. They just seem like the type. Like, you know that they're very catty behind Hank's back, going like... And Hank's <laughs> like, hey, hey, no, you don't say that. <laughs> That is what ants say all the time. They're very inappropriate. After Scott describes his dream in full detail, Hank and Hope deduce that he and Janet are somehow connected via quantum entanglement because of his time he spent in the quantum realm. Which is a very big leap. It's pretty big. But I'll allow it. But you know, he knows, he knows that Janet calls Hope Jellybean, so that he must be entangled quantumly. That's right, he... Did the entangling with the Hank Pym's wife and... He's like, oh, Hank, I would never do that. Oh, boy. <laughs> I respect you too much. I love his, like, sincerity behind it, too. They might have dumbed down Paul Rudd's character a little bit in this movie. A whole lot of bit, but, I mean, he also helped write it this time around, so... Right. He could do whatever he kind of wants. He knows the character, but, I mean, I also helped write it. You helped write it. My neighbor helped write it because there's so many writers on this movie that insane. I'm just convinced everybody participated. Everybody at some point is like, okay, is it my turn to do a word? <laughs> it's ridiculous. There's five of them. What are we doing? 
it's too many. But then again, this movie's great, so who am I to judge? That's true, but it feels a whole lot like when Beck won the Grammy for the for Best Musician or Best Album or whatever it was, and it was like, artist, Beck, songs by Beck, and then everyone in the world was pissed off like Beyonce didn't win, even though she had like 20 writers on a song there the lyrics were just like, hey, oh. Who run the world? Oh, girls. Girls <laughs> run the world. Oh. <laughs> and me as a sane human being is going, yeah, no fucking shit, it didn't win. Because Beck is Beck. That's right. Buh fucking Eck. You got to get it in there somewhere. So, somewhere. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Hank and Hope are missing a key electronic component to get the tunnel to work. So they head to meet with someone who possesses it. Just, you know, hey, we need this thing. We know a guy who's got the thing. Yeah, we need one of something that's going to fit into a very specific size slot that we've already built out. Let's go meet with the man who has the thing that fits into this very specific size slot that we've already cut out. Exactly. Hank shrinks the entire lab and takes it with him. However, they don't realize that they're being watched by a mysterious, sometimes barely visible figure. I love when he shrinks down the building because it is a little bit shocking. Yeah. And it just drops down. But then I love how he pulls the handle out of the roof of the building and it just becomes a roller bag. It's so good. And it kind of makes me wish that he had to go through airport security with this at one point. We get to see like the scanner that it has to go through. Oh, that would be phenomenal. Just to see what like TSA would have to do. Uh, are there ants inside your luggage, sir? And a quantum tut. Well, hold on a second. What is happening here? Is this like a Mighty Max situation? <laughs> Mighty Max and Polly Pocket. That's right. <laughs> The three of them arrive at a restaurant where Hope meets with Sonny Birch, Walton fucking Goggins. And it's a shame that Walton Goggins isn't one of those actors who has a middle name so that we could throw the extra fucking in there somewhere. I agree. Because he's that good in everything he does. I've never seen him in something and gone, eh, he was okay. He's always like the best thing in what he's in. Oh, absolutely. He manages to go over the top while still making it relatively believable. Yeah. But he also falls into that typecast of being Walton Goggins. That's true. He's always Walton Goggins. It's a lot like a Willem Dafoe or a Christopher Walken at this point. Like, he's risen to that level of, yeah, name your character whatever the hell you want. You're still that person. You're not fooling me, but I'm going to love you. You're great. You're going to be fantastic, but you're not going to pretend that you're not Walton Goggins. Exactly. In this movie, he's a black market tech dealer with ties to the FBI, that version of Walton Goggins. That one, right. While Scott and Hank monitor the situation from inside the van, Birch, who knows Hope as Susan, reveals that he knows who she really is, and he refuses to give up the MacGuffin that Hope needs. I love how he holds the power over her, because Walton Goggins, not a terribly subtle actor. <laughs> no. Like, right when this scene starts, you can tell he knows exactly who she is. Yeah. And as the audience, we're able to get that. So he's portraying that really, really well. And when he finally reveals that information to Hope, and you see her start to crumble a little bit, it's really, really well done. It's very well done. But her cover's blown, so she leaves. But she doesn't leave at all. Because Birch and his goons start getting knocked around by Hope in her brand spanking new wasp suit. And it's awesome. It's so cool. Scott's like, she has wings and blasters? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to trust Scott Lang with that stuff. Also, you stole the suit. You'd be happy with what you have. Exactly. She fights the keepers of the quantum MacGuffin in the restaurant's kitchen while they hurl knives at her, and then she eventually secures said MacGuffin. 
I love Ant-Man movies because you put these characters into any room that is just a little bit interesting, and the enlarging and the shrinking makes that room infinitely more interesting. Absolutely. Just exploding tomatoes become the coolest thing in the world. And then you have that knife that gets thrown, which... I mean, if I'm standing there and I see a fly across the room, I'm not going to hurl a knife at it. <laughs> no, you're a sane human being. But I love how you see the reflection of Wasp and the knife as it goes by. It's just so well done, man. So good. So good. But yeah, she secures the quantum MacGuffin, and I have another actual IMDb trivia fact. Fire away! The word quantum is spoken 22 times in Ant-Man and the Wasp, including the post credit scenes. Drink every time you hear it. Good luck. Good I knowing like that. you. That's a good one. Drink every time they say quantum. It's an appropriate one, because the point of a drinking game is you want to get a little fucked, but you don't want to die. But I feel like whenever you like look on those sites about drinking games, they always put the one that will kill you somewhere. And I yeah. feel like with this, if like you drink every time someone says quantum, next rule, you drink any time anyone gets small. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's no, like, no, 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 no. Now the point you had is a good one. to die. And now you've gone too far. Down your drink anytime something gets huge, above normal sized. That's not a bad one. Drink every time Paul Rudd is on screen. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Oh, man. Everyone's dead. And I'm okay knowing that Paul Rudd's the last thing I saw. Just putting that out there. There are worse ways to go. There sure are. Drink it because I saw Paul Rudd. <laughs> you get to those pearly gates. It's like, just watched Ant-Man and the Wasp, huh? I sure did. And it was great. Now, I do have a caped IMDb trivia fact to accompany the actual IMDb trivia fact. Okay. The title is a reference to Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly's characters. This sure is. Completely true. Can't deny it. I can't see any way they could pull that fact down. It is 100% factual. I cannot believe that they're allowing this crap. I can. I've been looking at these <laughs> for 161 episodes now, and this is completely on brand. Perfect. I've nailed the brand. So now that Wasp has the MacGuffin, she's attacked by that shadowy figure from earlier, whom they just call Ghost, on account of this individual's ability to phase through matter. What do you think of Ghost? First look. I think Ghost looks awesome. I do too, but there's a part of me that thinks she looks too fake in everything that she's in. Like, I'm okay with the phasing, how she can't control it. Yeah. But when she's solid in that suit, I like think she's almost like a toy. Like, it just doesn't work. It looks unrealistic because it doesn't fit i don't know how to describe it hmm i don't know i also find it weird that in this opening scene they play coy with whether it is a woman or not the boobs are a giveaway they really are but this whole time they're like that person them yonder well i think there's like a part of this character and this is what i thought when i first saw ghost i was like that's the mom right away that was my first thought oh okay yeah and then when it wasn't i was like oh well that's neat and it's like, I don't think the movie was trying to convince me it was the mom, but I fooled myself and it made for a better movie. Sure. I can see that. I never suspected that it was Janet. I just kind of thought it was because of the phasing. I was like, oh, she's half in, half out. She's doing quantum shit. I just imagined like, oh, I got to go grab a book. I got to go. I got to take a major quantum shit. Just ate a quantum Taco Bell. <laughs> quantum Taco Bell is a place I would definitely visit. What'd you get? Oh, that quantum Doritos Locos taco. You got to go with the quantum Crunchwrap Supreme. Oh, without a doubt you do. And for some reason... Extra quantum sauce. Just saying that made me think of the Dave Chappelle sketch. He'll make your dookie twinkle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I yes. feel like that would be a quantum shit. Absolutely. 
<laughs> oh man, this movie's making me go to weird places. But they continually call her he in this scene, and I think it's just because in the comics, Ghost is a male character, and they're just like trying to pull one over on you, like some big reveal later in the movie, and it's it's like you don't need to do that. No, you don't need to do that. But because Ghost can phase through matter, Hope can't land a punch. So Scott joins Hope in his brand new Ant-Man suit, since he claims he destroyed the old one at the request of the FBI. And now they're both in brand new Ant and Wasp suits. Neat! And Ghost gets away from Scott and Hope and steals the entire lab from Hank on the way out. Not hard to do due to it being small. It's a very small lab, and you can reach into a man's throat, so it's going to make it real easy to take stuff from him. That is true, and that is such a creepy scene to see, how you just see your fist going through Michael Douglas's throat, and he's sitting there just like, don't become whole again, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing you've got good control over that phasing that you do there. That you also don't. That you do and you don't. Right. Well, It's a real interesting dynamic she, that you have. <laughs> she does when she's in the suit. When she's out of the suit, she has no control over it. That's a good point, actually. I just can't imagine Michael Douglas sitting there like, oh man, throat cancer again. Again. This isn't even the fun way to get it. I did the fun way to get it. Uh, I love that every time he's on screen, that joke comes back. Who knew Catherine's hated Jones? Just as bad as smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Michael Douglas knew. That's who. <laughs> That's right. Found it the hard way. That's why he calls it the camel down there. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> the camel. What? You don't think he's named it at this point? He's not going to call it the Marlboro Man. <laughs> camel makes a lot more sense, I guess. Do you have a better name? Because no. like, you have a very judgy face on right now. No, I do not have a better name than that. There you go. That's canon now. Boom. That her hoo-ha is named the camel. Camel Joe? Joe Cool? No, that's... That's bad. If anything, go Virginia Slim or something like Virginia that. Virginia Slim. Newport. Just Newport. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's only when they're like role playing. They want to be fancy pantses and they treat it like it's like lifestyles of the rich and famous. And he's giving <laughs> tours of it. Just Michael Douglas like, I'm going to go down to Newport. Try not to give me cancer again. Like whenever he goes to a party, he's introducing his wife. He's like, this is Catherine Zeta-Jones. I'm Michael Douglas. This is how I talk. And this down here is her snatch that I've named Camel. <laughs> Goes full Robin Leach. I love it. All over that camel. Camel. It's worse. It's, it's bad. It's pretty bad. When you're like addressing it. Uh, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> you're the one who named it. Come and see her camel. That's unfiltered. And when you're done, it tastes <laughs> like methyl. <laughs> oh. Is she going to start selling candles like Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh, God, that's so gross. But it's tobacco scented. <laughs> She's just going to like raise the stakes on Paltrow. It's like, oh, you have candles that you just smell. I've literally taken things out from my camel <laughs> and I've rolled them for the smoking to give the. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. This uh, went off the rails. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> wow. I'm happy I didn't name anything that came out of there, which is good. That is good. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Terrific actress. We should put that out there. Michael Douglas was campaigning for her to play Janet in this movie, so. I'm happy that didn't happen. That'd be too on the nose. It would be pretty on the nose. On Michael Douglas's nose. 
Oh, man. I always love whenever they're in movies. I, I love it now. It's great. The gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Back to the Ant-Man! So because Hope and Hank are also on the lam for aiding and abetting Scott by giving him the suit, they don't have anywhere to go because the lab's gone. So Scott's like, I know where we can go. And they go to XCon, the security company that he runs with Luis, Michael fucking Pena. And also Dave, played by T.I., and Kurt, played by David fucking Desmalkian. He's always a treat, man. I'm just so happy so whenever great. he pops up in anything ever. And T.I. is there. And yes. T.I. exists. Their security company is called X-Con. And they're, they're all X-Cons. Just as on the nose is as if Catherine Teddy jones were in this movie as Janet Van Dyne. Exactly. So they try to come up with a plan to get the lab back. Hank decides that he has to reluctantly seek help from a former colleague and partner, Bill Foster, played by Lawrence fucking Fishburne. I could not believe that he was in this movie. I had no idea. Really? Oh, that's fun. Clueless. And it was wonderful to see him. Especially as Bill Foster. Oh, yeah. That was terrific. Goliath. Giant uh-huh. man. Other names. Ghost returns home. Gets out of her suit. It's Hannah John Common. And she's just fantastic. She really is. She's really confusing in this movie, though. Because, obviously, she's in pain the whole entire time. Right. So I feel like she's overdoing it just a little bit too much. And we're, we're going to get there. I feel like it forces her character to make some choices that are a little odd. But, again, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. She phases in and out involuntarily because she's taking the suit off. And she's got to go sleep inside this special chamber to help her control her quantum fuckery. It's a special room that glows. And she lays there. Yeah. She is fine now. Contains her bullshit. Exactly. Keeps it (laughs) in her body so she doesn't get all wacky. I wish that Joe Rogan had a room that contained his bullshit. That would be ideal. So his bullshit never escaped into the world. Scott, Hope, and Hank go in disguise to the university that Bill teaches at. And I love that they finally address that a hat and sunglasses is not a disguise. It's about time. And it's so appropriate that it's Scott that does it. Oh, it absolutely is. It turns out that Bill has beef with Hank over the work they did decades earlier, the Project Goliath thing, in which Bill reached 21 feet tall. Whoa! Yeah, and Scott's like, oh, I've been taller than that. And, and Hope's like, all right, are you guys done measuring yourselves? Scotty got up to 65 feet, and I love how impressed Bill Foster is at this. Yeah. Like, it's a genuine connection here. It's great. He's like, yeah, I slept for like three days after that. And Bill's like, I bet you did. These guys have common interest. But I also love that they address that it takes so much energy to be that big. Yeah. So it explains why Scott Lang isn't just giant all the time. Right. I also like that they really lean in in this movie into how much of an asshole Hank Pym is. He is an asshole. And I don't think they made him enough of an asshole in the first movie, so they're doing a good job making up for it in this one. That's right. Scott notices that Jimmy Woo and his fellow agents are outside. And he thinks they know that he's there. So before they all rush out, Bill tells them that they can locate the lab by modifying a diffractor to one of the suit's regulators. And Hank's like, yeah, we can't use the new Ant-Man suit because its regulator is new and wonky and it's not quite tested yet. And Scott's like, well, I do still have the old suit. (laughs) I love that. Everyone knew he didn't destroy it. Of course. Worst kept secret. But that's kind of the idea. And he has it hidden away in the world's greatest grandma trophy. Which is why it was so important to him. Exactly. But also because Cassie gave it to him, but also because it was hiding an Ant-Man suit, but also 
because Cassie gave it to him. But also. But also. <laughs> but also? But also. Right. The bad news is that Cassie took the trophy to school for show and tell. So Scott and Hope sneak into Cassie's school, but the regulator on Scott's suit starts malfunctioning, and it makes him the size of a tiny child. Which is hysterical. I loved it. And it's like, this is exactly what a movie with size shenanigans needs to be doing. It's what it should be doing. Yes. I don't want a normal-sized man the whole time. That's not fun. That's every other movie in the world. Give me a guy who's a little bit taller than he should be or a little bit shorter than he should be. Exactly. And then you have gold. Give me three-foot Paul Rudd. Yes, please. They go to Cassie's classroom and get the suit out of the trophy before they're spotted. Then Scott, Hope, and Hank locate the lab at Ghost's home by doing the triangulation nonsense with the thing and the whatnot and the big words. Yep. Science! And they find Ghost, and she knocks all three of them out and ties them up. Like, no problem. It was no problem at all. And that's when we find out that she's working with Bill. Who may or may not be a bad guy? We're not sure. Right now, it seems like he's pretty bad, but also... You know, Hank did do him pretty dirty, allegedly. He did, but let's just quickly rewind and reset this movie a tiny bit. Because, as I was watching this thing, you have this entire mission to get Janet back. Yes. And I was loving that storyline so much that when Ghost popped up in this movie, I went, holy crap, there actually hasn't been a villain yet. Yeah. And it feels like she doesn't need to be a part of this story. In a way, like, the stakes are already there of get Janet back. Right. And then Ghost shows up and is a clear foil to their plan by stealing the lab and whatnot. Exactly, because she has her own agenda, and that is to take the quantum energy from Janet in order to contain herself. Exactly. But I like how you have now this story that this broken character now needs this for her own, I'm not going to call it selfish needs, she's dying. Right. Like, she's about to be torn apart <laughs> by all of the quantumness that's going on within her. There's so much quantum happening. But she's not necessary. But it's neat that she's there. Exactly. And I find that just so fascinating that this is the direction that this movie went in. You don't need it, but you give it and you make it make sense. Right. She becomes another obstacle to them fulfilling their goal of getting back Janet. Exactly. But it's an obstacle that's not needed, again, because of how difficult this is already. Right. About how going subatomic is horribly dangerous and deadly and you don't want to do it. But also, here's a villain. Here you go. There you go. So now we're left to wonder what brought Bill and Ghost together. So we get a little flash them back. And it turns out after being fired and disgraced in the scientific community by Hank Pym, Ghost's father tried an experiment to reach the quantum realm on his own, but his tunnel wasn't quite stable. Right. His wife tried to escape with young Ava, that's Ghost's real name, Ava, but the little girl ran back to help her father. Which you shouldn't do! You shouldn't do that, because the tunnel went kablooey, killing both of Ava's parents. She survived the blast, but it did a real number on her molecular structure, getting all destabilized, resulting in her uncontrollable phasing and whatnot. Right, so she is actually just being torn apart at all times. All the time. So she is in a tremendous amount of pain. All the time. Yes. And Bill took her in as a child because he was like, hey, you got a raw deal from that Hank Pym guy. He sucks, huh? Let's hang out. I'll take care of you. And he does. And he seems like he's a pretty good daddy. Yeah. And they have plans to use Janet's quantum energy to help keep her normal, 
even if it kills Janet, who until now everybody just assumed was dead. Yeah, so I guess simultaneously they both come up with this plan of Janet's subatomic, I guess. So why don't we go rescue her? But also, why don't we go drain her of her essence in there exactly. or whatever? I don't know how Bill and Ghost know that Janet is in the quantum realm and that they can drain her quantum energy, but they do. And that's going to be trouble for our heroes. It is. And you know what? I didn't even consider that they didn't have any clue of how they knew or anything <laughs> like that. I just accepted it. Yeah. So good on you, movie. Good job. You, you got me in there. I left to not care about- it's the best- place to be sometimes details (laughs) so hank goes and does what you naturally do in that situation and fakes a heart attack yeah he's old it makes sense to do it absolutely if you can get away with it like us in our 30s if we did it people like no nope nice try not buying that one but michael douglas not a young spry chicken you know spring chicken that's That's what they they say the spryest spry chicken Got to go down to the KSP and give me some Kentucky Spried Chicken. That's right. That is probably not nearly as good. Except those legs, though, toned as hell. Of course. Very sinewy. That son of a bitch who wore the bolo with the mustache, he fried his shit. (laughs) Not us. That's silly, Colonel. We're spry, baby. So Bill grabs the tin of Altoids that holds Hank's meds, which actually contains Hank's giant trained ants. What a smart move. It's a great, great move. It's got ants in a box. These ants are curiously strong. You know, like Altoids? Altoids. I, I got are it. Curiously. Yep. Anyway, the, the ants <laughs> free Hank, Hope, and Scott from their ropes, and they take the lab back and get the hell out of there. I just love how portable this lab is. And how often ants can solve your problems. These ants are so highly trained. They really it's are. crazy. But, I mean, I didn't have a doubt in my mind about them. I've watched an ant play drums already in this movie. Exactly. I know that they're going to free these people no problem. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Ants are always cutting ropes of hostages. Exactly. After they enlarge the lab and get that quantum MacGuffin in its quantum slot, (laughs) Hank and Hope try again to make contact with Janet. And Janet takes control of Scott's mind. Which allows Paul Rudd to Paul Rudd all over the screen. All over the screen. And Janet goes and fixes Hank's algorithm, helps stabilize the tunnel, and enters the coordinates to locator Deus Ex Pfeiffer. That's right. All why a very effeminate Paul Rudd Actually, is just Paul Rudd. acting up a storm. <laughs> they had originally planned to let Michelle Pfeiffer do the scene and then have Paul Rudd do it the way she did it. But instead, they're like, no, let's just let Paul Rudd go for it. Let him roll. And what do you have to lose? did, and it was glorious. It really was. Janet warns them that they only have two hours before something goes all quantum fucky and they won't be able to reach her for another century. Why? Stakes. Okay. <laughs> that was my only question of, like, why all of a sudden? Like, in theory, quantum theory, I guess, is if they lose the signal that they just got with her. Yeah. Redo this whole thing. Find the signal again. Just get the again. signal again. Like, it doesn't seem that hard. But all of a sudden, it's like, no, you caught me on my anniversary like, of whatever this is, I guess. Like so, ah, the, uh, the, the quantum who's it was of it? The planets? It's the, um, another century. Quantum Mercury is in retrograde, so we can make the connection. <laughs> it's a lot of bullshit for the sake of story and stakes. Absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes that works, like right now. Sonny Birch is still in the movie. 
Yep. Don't forget Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins and his goons go to XCON to interrogate Luis and Dave and Kurt using some truth serum. It's not truth serum. It's not truth serum. But it's truth serum. It's not truth serum. And they do the dumbest thing possible, and they give it to Luis. <laughs> oh, man, it just creates gold. <laughs> it's so good. And, man, I just wish they would use him more often. I know there are people that actually are really irritated by this character, and I don't get it. I do get it, and they're wrong. That's Okay, even better. I love this character so much, and it's something you can't abuse all the time, or else you're going to just take the shine off of it. Right, exactly. But they give this truth serum that they keep calling not truth serum to Luis, and he does his thing of explaining things in way too much detail. And I love that Walton Goggins asks him, where is Scott? And he tells him where Scott is emotionally. (laughs) It's amazing. But he starts out in the prison, and then he jumps forward to, I guess, the events of how they got to like where they are now, but he does it slowly. And David is Malkian. He tells Walton Goggins, once you put a diamond, you kind of have to just let the jukebox play. <laughs> Which throws Luis onto a tangent about a jukebox. Yes. <laughs> and talking about Morrissey. You got to be really careful of what you're doing here with Luis on Truth Serum. That's also not Truth Serum, but it totally is. I have another actual IMD trivia fact about that, actually. Despite many audience members presuming it was a joke, British singer Morrissey is, in fact, extremely popular among Mexican Americans of all ages. I did not know that. So there you go. The more you know. The more you know. Luis reveals that Scott is with Hope and Hank in the woods where they set up the lab. And that's when Ghost appears, having heard all this information, because she was just hanging out all invisible-like, and she takes off to take back the lab. And man, Kurt's reaction to this is so good, because Baba Yaga. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He just keeps talking about this Baba Yaga, and then he finally sees it, and... David Smalkin does not let us down he does in his not. reaction. In fact, I have another IMDb trivia fact already oh my God. about this, and it's the longest one I think I've ever read, but it's so worth it. I actually thought that this one was a caped IMDb trivia fact, but I looked into it, and it's all true. You look into IMDb trivia facts? This is new to me. Just this one, because I was, I was curious about it, because I was like, this sounds fake, but here we go. I'm taking a mental note that if you type some bullshit long enough, Brian might look into it and waste more of his precious life minutes on IMDb. <laughs> Only if it's super intriguing. Okay. What do you got? David Dasmalkian's character, Kurt, when first hearing about ghosts, suggests that she's Baba Yaga, a character from Slavic folklore, and tells everyone that the stories about Baba Yaga are meant to scare children. However, when Ghost shows up to get Scott's location from Louise at his and his cohort's offices, terrifying everyone there, this event seems to terrify Kurt even more as he starts rocking back and forth and singing a song about Baba Yaga, showing the stories he was told as a child affect him even today. This song is included on the soundtrack for the film, entitled Baba Yaga Lullaby, sung by Desmalkian, and it's 25 seconds long. The lyrics are, Baba Yaga come at night, little children sleepy tight, Baba Yaga give you bite, lay in bed, don't pee a fright. Baba Yaga, big black stick, come for children playing trick. Baba Yaga at your door, Baba Yaga hear you snore. Baba Yaga is so smelly, Baba Yaga you in his belly. Lyrical genius. Paul Simon is probably just going, why didn't I ever think of that? (laughs) 
I thought for sure that somebody had written a fake Baba Yaga lullaby and submitted it as an IMDb trivia fact. And then I was like, this is not real. I googled Baba Yaga lullaby, and sure enough, there is a 25-second song on the soundtrack sang by David Dasmalkin about Baba Yaga, and it's fantastic. That is unbelievable, and I love it. All of that to say, Baba Yaga took off with the location of the lab, and she also slashed all of Sonny Birch's tires. Yep. Tires. Tires. <laughs> uh, that's because the way Walton, Walton Goggins, Goggins would say it. Is from wherever Walton Goggins <laughs> is from. Oh, man, she slashed my tires. Without looking, where do you think he's from? Georgia. You're close. He's Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, okay. It was one of the two. Is he, though, from there? Like, just listen. <laughs> Who knows? Tars. <laughs> Walton Goggins. A treat. He really is just a treasure. And he's got a contact, a crooked FBI agent named Stoltz. And he tells him where Scott will be on the condition that Birch gets the lab. Stoltz tells Wu and Luis warns Scott so that he can return home before he's caught breaking his house arrest order. So now everybody's panicked and needs to get somewhere else. Scott leaves Hank and Hope at the lab to hurry home while they rush to shut down the quantum tunnel so they can move the lab. And everybody's pissed off at Scott. Everybody is. But I don't blame him because he starts the movie with everyone being pissed off at him and he kind of like regained a little bit of cred and then he just lost it all again. It's exactly. Just, it's the vicious cycle that is Scott Lang's life. Hank is like, why would you ever tell Luis where you are? That's silly. And Hope is also mad. And that's not like Hope, because they were starting to have that chemistry again, you know? But Right, the chemistry that was very, very forced, but it was there! I don't know. I mean, it's obviously not the same level as the chemistry that you get between Paul Rudd and Abby Ryder Fortson, but... I agree with you there. It was like, a, you know, she's mad at him, but she's coming around, kind of thing. <laughs> sure. Whatever you think, yes. <laughs> I think that their only chemistry is, you get big and small too with the push of a button that Danny made? Nailed it, let's do the dirty! If you say so. That's what it feels like a lot of the time. Back at Scott's house, Cassie, who was looking for her soccer shoes. I don't know why they don't call them cleats. She's always looking for her soccer shoes. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> she comes across a giant ant in the bathtub. And that's when the FBI breaks into search. And Cassie stalls Wu for as long as she can, which is enough time for Scott to return and act as though he's been there all along. Which is terrific. Again! It's fantastic. Because you know he's going to be there. The way that this plays out. We all know that he's going to be upstairs. Right. That's fine. But it's cool to see Cassie running interference. Oh, yeah. She's totally in cahoots. I dig it. After the FBI leave, Cassie tells Scott that he could use a partner to help him, meaning herself. But Scott says, yeah, Hope's pretty great, but, you know, we're not on great terms right now. And Cassie's like, no, she's also a good fit, I guess. I mean, I meant me. Don't laugh. And I just, I love this conversation between these two. I think it's so good. And then he's like, I don't know that I could go and help everybody at the same time and she's like you're not a bad guy i know like the fbi is after you and whatnot but you're, you're trying to help people yeah but there's a difference between just that childlike thought of you're trying to help people but then there's no consequence on their side and that kind of is the whole mentality of superheroes right how we all do see them as yeah they're trying to help people but also just totally brought down a building and that's a ton of collateral damage superman what are you doing right but I understand where her head's at because, yes, this is a guy who is trying to do the right thing. He just is constantly taking the wrong steps to do it. Right. And Scott, even at this point, knows. like he, he knows he has to go help Hope and Hank because 
he just overheard the FBI celebrating that they captured them. Yeah. But he knows that it's going to be at the expense of his relationship with Cassie because if he gets caught, he's done. He's in prison. Exactly. Yeah. And she accepts that. She's like, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You are the world's greatest grandma after all. Terrific line. Paul Rudd's reaction is perfect. So good. She delivers the line perfectly. It is an unbelievable moment. It's so well done. I love it. Every time. All five writers nailed it to get that moment to work. <laughs> I really picture it as like that who's line sketch where you only say one word at a time and they go through the whole thing. That's just how they banged it all out. Yeah. <laughs> it took them a while, but they got there. World's greatest grandma. Who brought the Mad Libs? <laughs> Thanks for not writing toilet. Good job. World's greatest toilet. Ah, oh, we did it again. That's what everyone goes to right away. Just the potty jokes and Mad Libs. Because it's easy. It is easy. Does that make it funny, though? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Hope and Hank are surrounded by FBI agents as they shrink the lab. Stoltz grabs the lab, but he gets knocked out by Ghost, and now she has the lab. So now we know who's, who's got the lab. Again, the lab just keeps getting passed. Exactly. That's it's all it is. hot potato, but it's Capture a the lab. tiny lab, and not like a dog, like a laboratory. <laughs> They're just throwing a dog around the entire movie. <laughs> That'd be perfect. What is this tiny dog doing? They could just like men in black it, and they just have the lab like on the collar. Oh, yeah. Just all shrunk down. <laughs> the lab is on Orion's belt. We did it. Nobody calls that a belt, men nope. in black. It's called a collar. It's always been a collar. Always will be a collar. Scott uses the trained ants to help Hope and Hank break out of the FBI headquarters in a fun reversal from the first movie. And then the ants guide them to the lab's location GPS style, which is, it happens. <laughs> That's the right reaction for it? Because when I was watching, I went, well, that's stupid. Yeah. As these ants are just creating arrows, and they're driving at full speed, and these ants have to stay ahead of them in order to make said arrows. In the sky. Yeah, that didn't work. Hank Pym was like, <laughs> I found a different way to keep track of the lab. Just have the ants watch it. Why not just have some sort of scientific fuckery? Like, just a little GPS beeper thing or whatever. I don't know. Well, that was what anything they, but this. That's what they originally had on there, but you know they're dealing with scientist enemies who know how to deactivate that kind of stuff. So ants. So ants. Okay. Can't deactivate ants, Bill? Can you? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it was like an EMP for ants, and it's really just a large can of raid. That's it. <laughs> it's just on top of the lab. He's installed it, and it just oscillates all around spraying raid honestly that would be the ultimate villain for an ant-man raid be the man. orkin man the orkin man yes <laughs> he's got his hard hat on it's like i called you in to get rid of ants are you that worried <laughs> well there's this one ant man <laughs> the orkin man actually scared of ant man of finding him in the walls or whatever i love it it's <laughs> just paul rudd Sitting there on a tiny wooden chair that he carved out because he's hiding <laughs> in your walls. That's the product placement we need. It really is. So the ants guide them to the lab's location, and Luis joins them as backup because Scott just keeps telling them where they are. They're like working on some sort of project together for work. Yeah. And Luis needs them to sign off on a few things. So Scott just tells them where they're going all the time, even though uh -huh. he's already bitten him in the ass once. Uh huh. 
Bill and Ava have an argument in the lab about finding another way to heal her because Bill is like, hey, we should kill Janet. That's probably not cool. All of a sudden. But it doesn't even matter because there's a whole buttload of ants just unplugging things left and right. So they'll never get it to work anyway. Just plug it back in. Yeah, but the ants are still actively unplugging other things. You can't keep up with ants. Ants are so quick. They are so quick. And I have another actual IMDb trivia fact. You have so many right now. It's ridiculous. (laughs) When Foster sees the ants all over the machinery, he says, it's them. He's referring to Pym and his associates, but them is also the title of a classic horror movie featuring giant ants. It's the movie Scott Hope and Cassie are watching at the drive-in at the end of the film. Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) You're absolutely right. Ghost follows the trail of ants to Scott, who is very outmatched and makes a run for it. While that's going on, Hank uses his giant ants to get Bill out of the lab so he can use his old quantum suit to go into the quantum realm to find Janet. I love that it's Hank Pym who says, I have to take the dive. Yes. And you know what? I have an actual IMDb trivia effect. shit. I did not mean to set that up. I apologize to everybody. It was going to come anyway. Oh, fair enough. Then I don't feel bad. Apology rescinded. Fuck all you. (laughs) It was happening anyway. That was destiny. Peyton Reed promised Michael Douglas that he wouldn't be, quote, just a walking exposition machine this time around. I approve that one. Yeah. That's terrific that he made him proper Hank Pym. He really did. So Hank goes into the quantum realm. After he gets in his crazy ship? Some sort of quantum spaceship thing? That I don't understand how it works? That's not important how it works. I don't understand anything about quantum mechanics. Shrinking object ship. Yep. Craft. You know what? I should give you a cape trivia fact. I just did back-to-back IMDb trivia facts. This is a good way to bail on you not understanding the ship, too. Yeah, no, not not a clue what's going on with the ship. (laughs) But I can tell you, Yeah, Paul Rudd is actually 69 years old, despite only looking 35 or so. Nice. Uh Uh-huh, it's all true. It's on his birth certificate. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) That's a fun one. You're welcome. While Hank is in the quantum realm, the lab gets shrunk down, and Luis grabs it, and Scott distracts Ghost long enough for Hope and Luis to get away. Scott flies away on one of them flying ants to meet up with Hope and Louise at the rendezvous point. There's still more bad guys to deal with because Sonny Birch and his men are back again. They keep coming back. And everybody's after that tiny lab. Everyone wants this lab. Make this lab not portable. <laughs> right? It was brilliant, but also the worst thing you could have done. Like, I imagine there's like a button on the lab that makes it shrink. There's something that makes things shrink or get big they have a remote for the lab yeah so maybe just smash the remote make it all big and then just stomp it or something like that just make it not mobile anymore stop it well i don't think it being mobile is the problem it's the bad guys knowing where it is that's the problem all right so they're gonna have a really good idea about it if you just erect a building in the middle of the woods like they've done right but they were probably hidden enough in the woods on if they hadn't told louise where they were that they wouldn't have been found All right, that's also fair. Either way, stop it. Make this lab a building. Stop making it teeny tiny. It is a building. Oh, boy. (laughs) You're right. Oh, man. I wonder who has that prop. That's like, I have to imagine it's like sitting on Peyton Reed's desk. Like, that's just such a cool movie prop to have. It really is. Like, oh, yeah, I have the entire quantum lab. The MacGuffin from this movie. Yeah, one of them. There's a number. You're right. 
You could probably make an argument that Janet's one of them. You absolutely could. <laughs> Human MacGuffin, they're always the best. Hope shrinks and enlarges the van multiple times to literally throw Sonny Birch and his goons off. Ghost shows back up. Louise has a shrinking car now. There's a giant Hello Kitty Pez dispenser. Stan Lee's car gets shrunk. Does Stan get snapped? Yep. You don't like his callback to the 60s? Nope, because he does it again later in another movie. The 60s were fun, but I'm paying for it now. It's a funny line. It's hilarious. Especially because Stan, famous for being super anti-drug. Also true. I'll give you that. Fine, we can snap him. Gone. I don't know why he hate him so much. I don't hate him so much. It's just there has to be a balance. Yeah, but you feel I feel like you snap a whole lot of stands. Yeah, but it's funnier to snap the stand and let them live. Like there's some bullshit stands out there, and this is one of them. I think it'd be fun to let this stand live. Uh, for the next 10 minutes or so. Why do you say that? Well, because some snapping is going to be happening. Oh, that's a good point. But that's not like 10 minutes or so. That's true. Do you think it's kind of offensive that in all of the snappings that happened, that they never once showed a stand getting snapped? Or do you think that would just mess with their formula a little too much? And they'd actually follow our show formula of half the stands have to get snapped. If they just did a super cut of half of the, the cameos all of a sudden dissolving... Just proving us right and wrong That'd the whole amazing. time. I'd be sitting there with like bated breath. It would be like watching Royal Rumble, everyone coming out <laughs> from the back and you just have no clues coming out of one number, but it's just, oh. this stand getting snapped? Is this stand getting snapped? No? Oh, okay. This one? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I called it. I'd watch. I'd put it on pay-per-view. I'll, I'll gladly throw money at that. Throw together a, a stand snap supercut. Someone will make that. I guarantee it. Oh, for sure. The regulator on Scott's suit starts acting up again, and now he's real big and just causing a scene. This chase has been bonkers. It really has been. I love it. Throughout all the chaos, Birch manages to take the lab and runs to the docks where he boards a whale-watching tour to get away. As you do? I don't know. Whale-watching tours, famously not in a hurry to get anywhere. No, but they also come back. They sure do. Unless you're, like, on a Gilligan's Island situation. Well, that's where the fucky quantum time limit comes into play. That's fair. It's, it was made strictly for <laughs> Gilligan's Island scenarios. Three-hour window, or else you won't be able to talk to me for a century. That's right. <laughs> Why? So there's a reason to chase Walton Goggins on the boat later, okay? Do you want Walton Goggins holding a small model of a building on a whaling boat or not? <laughs> yes, I 100% want that. <laughs> well, when you say it out loud, yeah, I kind of want that. Scott grows even bigger to reach him and recover the lab. We're talking 166 feet tall. He's a big boy. Big crap bag. <laughs> Giant crap bag. <laughs> he recovers the lab from Goggins. And then he gets pretty lightheaded from being so huge. And then he falls into the water. Not great. And Hope, she dives in after him to save him. And she has to, like, undo his belt buckle thing because that has all the quantum mechanics in it. She right. pushes the buttons and then fixes She's got to fix his I regulator guess? and then bring him back down to little size so she can pull him out of the water. Yeah, all that. Question mark. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, in the quantum realm, Hank nearly loses his signal and also... Definitely runs out of time on his little countdown. And I'm like, what are we doing here? What's the point of the countdown? 
don't know. He also gets stuck in the goo, the quantum goo. He gets stuck in the quantum goo, and he is just like, he's having a go of it. He's yelling at the sky like, nah, my wife. He walks out of the ship through the quantum goo. And then he has a crazy quantum dream. Which is insane. <laughs> all this is insane. All of it. But luckily, Janet manages to find him. Which is lucky. <laughs> very lucky. But she looks real spooky when he sees her in the dream because she's got like a quantum suit on that she's haphazardly assembled in the last yeah. 30 years of living in the quantum realm. She's still got like part of the mask of like a the wasp costume, yeah. but the rest is just like a cloak. It is just a quantum cloak that she found in the quantum realm to create a costume. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on in the quantum realm, and I'm sure we'll get there. I hope we do, tell you the truth. I hope that they treat the quantum realm like they treat the TARDIS. How there's like a wardrobe on the TARDIS, but it's like down the hall to the left, down the stairs to the right, and then you got to go to the end of the hall. And it's like, I hope that's what they do with this, of make sense of how Janet survived. Well, there's like a whole city in the quantum realm, isn't there? Is there? Yeah. I'm only going off what we've seen in the MCU so far. Oh, okay. Well, there's Chronopolis in the comics, is in the quantum realm. Yes. Right. And I know the next Ant-Man movie is called Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. So I have a feeling we'll, we'll get a little deep dive action there. I hope we do. Especially knowing that Jonathan Majors is going to be in that movie. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Jonathan fucking Majors. My apologies to the, the Majors. They should be offended at that. Yeah. They should be. I'm, I'm profusely apologizing. Glad we got that on record. <laughs> so yeah, Hank, Janet, they find each other in the quantum realm and they reunite with a kiss. A quantum kiss. A quantum kiss, of course, because you can't have any other kind of kiss in the quantum realm. Exactly. Meanwhile, Ghost has gotten a lab from Luis because, you know, everybody has to have their hands in this lab at some point. At some point. And she has returned it to its normal size right by the piers of Fisherman's Wharf. Just bam, right there. Make it big again. I don't care who's around. And now here's the problem with your theory of just keeping it as a building, because now she's going to go in there and she's going to start just draining Janet of all of her quantum energy. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, But why is that the problem of keeping it as a building? She could have... No, she can't get small. She can't, but she can go through walls. All right, so maybe this is what you do. I understand they had to get the building back to building size in order to facilitate Hank coming back, exactly. the re-entry. Hank's return. But maybe if you make it, like, child-sized... Like, you had a child Paul Rudd running around oh, for a while. Okay. Like a play school. Maybe if you, like, make it just a little bit too small, <laughs> so that if she had to go through it, it would be hysterical because she's too big. That would be a lot of fun. But she can also go through walls, so I feel like she would just crouch but she's down still too and big. go through the walls until she got to the right room, and then she would just crouch. You don't want to see a ghost thing that's going like between floors. I would rather built see structure. I would rather see like a, a crawling Walter Gog Walton Goggins. It's hard not to call him Walter. It's very hard not to call him Walter because Walton is not a real name. No, no, it's not. It's apologies to all the Waltons that are listening. <laughs> ah, goddamn! We just lost Walmart we, as a sponsor. We lost all of our Walton listeners. Man, at least we have Spotify. Uh. Not anymore. I feel like we've we've ripped on Joe Rogan too many times for them to support us. Right. If only Neil Young had the balls that we did. He only took one shot. We've been taking continual swipes. I mean, Neil Young got all of his stuff pulled from the platform, so. That's a good point. <laughs> We're still on there. Son of a bitch. Don't listen to us on Spotify. If you have it, <laughs> you might as well use it. We're not selling out for anyone. We totally are. You name it. Orkin, Cheerios. You think we're above that? 
You're wrong. You've never listened to this show. I will sell out so fast. You have no idea. (laughs) It'll make your head fucking spin. By the way, this episode is brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. (laughs) With their spokesperson, Michael Douglas. Yeah, smoke them if you got them. So Ghost goes into her little chamber thing, which is now inside the lab. I don't know how she got it there, but... She made it? Question mark? Oh, I think her and Bill brought it there the last time they were there, and then nobody was like, hey, we should get rid of this thing. We should disassemble this, this doomsday device for the one person who may or may not be alive. Yeah. And now... (laughs) It's so specific. It really is. There's a whole quantum realm, and you're just targeting (laughs) one person who might not be there. Who knows what this is all about? Oh, man. But she's sucking out Janet's quantum energy, and we know this because we cut to Janet and Hank in the whatever this vessel is. The quantum vessel. And she's like, "Uh uh-oh, my quantum energy. And you can see it's affecting her because, well, Michelle Pfeiffer can act. That's right. Scott and Hope arrive and disable her machine, giving Hank and Janet enough time to escape the quantum realm and return to the lab. And Hope is finally reunited with her mother. And it is wonderful. I love how Janet gets out of this ship, and the first thing that she does is look for Hope. Yes. I love that. After all these years, that's the only thing that's been on her mind. That's what's keeping her going. Right. I love it. Which is exactly what Scott said about when he was inside. The only thing that kept him going was seeing his daughter again. Beautiful, man. And this moment lands, and it lands hard, and I love it Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. Then Janet sees Ava, and she goes over, and she puts her hands on her face, and then just, you know, quantums her. Yeah, quantum healing. That's the thing. It stabilizes now. her and stops her phasing, and everyone leaves. <laughs> That's right. Uh, realistically, this whole movie could have been over so much faster if they went, Walton Goggins, looks like a bad guy, probably a bad guy, totally is a bad guy. Bill Foster, you got someone who needs help? I got a wife I'm trying to get. How about we just work together? Yeah. Yeah, how about that? That's it. Hey, you know, I could bring my wife back from the quantum realm. She could probably help out this this Ava girl you're hanging out with who's got the problem with the thing and the stuff. Right. You're openly saying that Janet's a brilliant scientist. Why not just get another mind involved here? Yeah, we could really- You help me, I'll help you. Brainstorm together and figure out how to how to crack this nut, you know? But then there'd be no stakes and no past the lab. Exactly. Past the lab is a lot of fun. Just about every comic book situation I feel like could be solved by just having a nice conversation. Yeah. Meeting down the middle. Right? Like, maybe we just snap out a quarter of existence. Exactly. We got to negotiate right? for this. Half's a lot. It's all about compromise. What do you get from this, Thanos? Come on. Come on. I read a book that said never meet in the middle. Right? That's <laughs> negotiating. You can never accept the first offer. Put that coffee down. <laughs> coffee is for closers. You see this knife? You want this knife? <laughs> Perfectly balanced, as all things should Sell be. Sell me this knife. <laughs> Sell me this knife! <laughs> the winner gets this knife, this perfectly balanced life. The loser gets snapped out of existence. <laughs> This went down a really weird path. (laughs) A-B-S. Always be snapping. Snapping. (laughs) Yeah, Glengarry Glen Thanos. 
Uh, Thanos, quick question. In the movie, the loser gets a set of kitchen knives. You get no knives. <laughs> you get snapped. The winner gets the perfectly balanced one. Weren't you listening to anything I said? I was listening to about half of it, you know, as all things should be. boy, champ. Also, don't kiss ass. <laughs> Your time will come, if you're lucky or not. I don't know. So everybody's, you know, back in the real world and together and healed of their issues. So, they, you know, they, they leave the lab and they shrink it back down. And they're like, all right, let's get out of here. Bill is like, hey, Ava, I want to keep protecting you. And she's like, no, nah, I've done some shit. You, we can't be hanging out anymore. And he's like, no, no, really. We, I'm just going to keep hanging out. And she's like, okay, fine. They have their moment. They hug it out. It's like, I think that was touching. I think so. Yeah. I think. And outside the lab. Dave and Kurt rescue Louise by tasing Sonny Birch and his goons and injecting them with the not-truth serum as the cops arrive, leading to Birch and his henchmen just confessing to everything. In the funniest way imaginable. It's so good. I love Walton Gong. He's like, yeah, uh, also at my restaurants, I've done some pretty heinous things, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one guy's like, it is truth serum. Classic. I love it. And while all that's going on, Jimmy Woo knows that Scott is out on the streets as Ant-Man, but when he gets to his home, Scott's there already. He's like, damn it, you pulled it off. You did it again. I saw the giant Ant-Man in the water, but surely that wasn't you? Apparently, there's some other guy going to O'Grady. I don't know. Anyway, Scott, he's got his house arrest sentence over because everything just lined up perfectly. The timing just worked out so impeccably. It actually turns out that that Janet's quantum connection was contingent on the FBI's policy of two years or whatever it is. Whatever it might have been. Yeah. There's a lot of bullshit timelines and time frames and a lot of co- time limits. Coincidence and convenience. Don't need to be there, but they are, and they all converge exactly. right here. And now Scott <laughs> is a free man once more, and the first thing he's going to do, he's going to go see Cassie gonna go to his ex-wife's house and i love this because he gives cassie a big old hug and then maggie comes out and he gives her a big old hug and then even better than that is bobby Cannavale. Yes. <laughs> he comes out and bear hugs them all i love him so much he's great he's such a good character and i love the difference between his character in this movie and the last one and how much these two characters have converged into like a family it's great it is terrific and i also love how Maggie's really defending Scott this whole time of, like, talking to the FBI, like, you can't come in here. And he's like, well, they could. Like, you don't have a warrant. It's like, yeah, they don't need it. (laughs) It's like filling in the blanks. It's great. The whole way, it's perfect. Fantastic. And then just to wrap everything up with a nice bow, ex-con lands the big client. Hank brings Janet to the beach where they grow a house. And then Scott, Hope, and Cassie go to the drive-in, but a giant moth reveals that they're actually in a shrunken down car in front of a laptop. And I do have one last what I suspect is caped trivia. Okay. Paul Rudd gets small and save day. Hero need not deserve. Girl gets small too. No one say, you're killing me, Smalls. Missed opportunity. I cannot believe that they allowed that. <laughs> They're not even sentences. Oh my God. Like that one I just went for and went, there's no way. <laughs> but it summarizes the movie well. I did it in the most IMDb appropriate way imaginable. <laughs> And I want to say that's the movie, but of course, since it's a Marvel movie, there are post-credit scenes, and we inarguably have the most important post-credit scene. I think this is the, the one- The most consequential. Yeah. Definitely the one that has the biggest impact on, you know, the other MCU. 
this blew my mind because I knew this moment was coming from having seen Endgame. Right. But when they did it as a post credit, I was like, how did you save that? It's a big reveal to save for something like the post credit. It's an enormous reveal. It's not even the post credit. It's the mid credit. That's right. <laughs> Hank, Janet, and Hope have set up a portable quantum tunnel in a van and are on a rooftop. They send Scott into the quantum realm to gather quantum energy to help Ava stay stabilized. Oh, it's supposed to be like a three-minute tour. Exactly. <laughs> Just as Scott is ready to return, there's silence on the other end of the radio. Cut to Hank, Janet, and Hope have all been snapped away by Thanos, trapping Scott in the quantum realm. It is heartbreaking, too, because you know he just had this huge moment with Cassie. Yes. And he's talking about being stuck in the quantum realm. Like, it's the thing that kept him going. Now, he is in there indefinitely. Right. Like, you better hope that one of 14 million different scenarios happens so you can... That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And that is almost the movie again, because the post-credit is goddamn wonderful. It is, and it... Builds on the heaviness of the mid-credits scene. San Francisco just being weirdly quiet and emergency alerts blaring over the TV. And then it just gives you a little bit of levity by cutting to the giant ant in Scott's house, still playing the drum set. He's got the electronic drum set, and only here's the little plastic getting hit and whatnot. And <laughs> man, does it land well. And it sends you out on a bit of a high note, because Almost. that is Ant-Man and the Wasp from 2018, directed by the Peyton fucking Reed. Exactly. Ant-Man and the Wasp will return... Question mark. It's nice. It's a good touch. This is a very, 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 very fun movie if you turn your brain off. Yes, and it's not hard to turn your brain off with this one. Paul Rudd makes it so easy to do because he's being Paul Rudd, and if you don't love Paul Rudd, then we can't be friends. There's something wrong with you if you don't love Paul Rudd. I guess a lot of people don't like this movie. I've heard that, and I and I see it ranked low a lot on people's, you know, how everybody ranks the MCU movies. People sure. put this low a lot, and I don't know why. I don't know why either, and let's just get right into this. Rotten Tomatoes, 1 to 100. Where do you see this thing falling? 82. 87. Okay. But the audience score is 81%. Roger Ebert did not see this movie. He's been stuck in the quantum realm since 2012, <laughs> 2014. When did he die? That's when he went there. (laughs) But people who did see this movie of David Sims from The Atlantic, he said, a light and sunny entry in the ongoing Marvel canon that gets by on its cast's easygoing chemistry. Yep. Raffer Guzman from Newsday says, Ant-Man and the Wasp has its moments, but it doesn't quite measure up to the original. Okay. And that's where I want to pause for a second. Interesting. Because we talked about people do rank their MCU movies, and that's fine. But why does something have to rank to the original? Why does a sequel that is part of a much larger universe, a much larger canon of films, have to compare to another movie in it? Right. It's a drastically different story. It's a drastically different tone, too. Yeah, well, that's because Peyton Reed got to actually build this movie from the ground up instead of it being handed to him from Edgar Wright. Exactly. I just find that so fascinating that people go movie to movie franchise to franchise within this greater scope of things and if you really have to go off of that it's like saying like i really like thor but i can't like thor ragnarok because it's just it's so different different i can't like it yeah no it's but that's kind of like the argument there it's a weird argument i don't think you need to compare these to other movies you either like it or you don't the story works for it or it doesn't it's as simple as that i agree leonard malton also saw this movie and he said here's the surprise and good news Lightning has struck twice. 
Everything I enjoyed about the first movie is repeated successfully. It's funny, imaginative, full of action, not violent action, and knockout visual effects that serve the story. Yes. Yes, it's important to note that the amount of special effects in this movie is insane, but it's always serving the story. I feel like that's what I love about these Ant-Man movies, is you have this goofy trope that you can fall back on, but you cannot abuse it. Or exactly. Else it loses it. Again, it loses its shine. It's the Luis of special effects. Exactly. Our good friends on Letterboxd had some things to say about this. I bet they did. From February 5th, 2019. Okay, but when he gets bigger, does that mean everything gets bigger? <laughs> I, Ball Rod, call me! <laughs> I should have seen that one coming. That happened a number of times in the reviews on this one. I don't doubt it. From July 22nd, 2018, do you guys just put the word quantum in front of everything? <laughs> That's a line from the movie. It is, and I love it because, yeah, they kind of did. Yeah, absolutely. 22 times. From July 5th, 2018, loses points because not enough Goggins. Gains points for Michael Pena talking about Morrissey. Yes. Yep. Check and check. From February 27th, 2021, Insane that WandaVision has tricked people into watching Age of Ultron for more Wanda and Vision, instead of Ant-Man and the Wasp for more Special Agent Jimmy Woo. 100% agreed. That blew my mind because you don't hear a lot of people talk about this movie, but you hear a lot of people rave about Jimmy Woo and WandaVision. Yes, and for some reason, this movie's still underappreciated. Completely agree, Randall Park's a treat in everything he's in, and that is the perfect lead-up to... From August 8th, 2018, I wish Jim and Pam's actor friend Steve had discovered the ant pretending to be Scott and turned directly to the camera and said, identity theft is not a joke. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. That is the perfect letterboxed review. <laughs> a plus all around. Well done. How about we give this thing a super stuff score? Let's do it. Story motivation. Get Janet. Get Janet. But avoid other things along the way. It really is that simple. And, you know, this feels like, and maybe it's because we just recently watched it for this month's Patreon, but this feels like the Blues Brothers of the MCU. The Blues Brothers story and plot is so simple. <laughs> this might even be more simple than that. It is get Janet, and then along the way, you just have all these things pop up in your way to make it harder to do. Like, you have Walton Goggins, and you have the FBI. And you have Bill and, and Ava. It's just, it's constantly adding more and more antagonists that aren't necessary to the plot of you retrieving what you're going for, but they are going to make it harder to get it. Exactly. Like you have all the Scott Lang stuff where he is on house arrest, so he has to rush back home and Jimmy Woo is trying to catch him at the same time. Right. Like that is itself an obstacle that he is just playing with fire every time he is out of this house. But then you also have Ghost who is trying to get the lab so she can become whole and right. save her own life by finding the person who may or may not be there in the quantum realm to <laughs> suck out her energy or what. I'm going to go one. I like it. I like it too. One. And I'm going to choose to just completely brush over the may or may not be there thing. Yes. That's the appropriate way to do it. One. Hero. It's Ant-Man. And the Wasp. That's right. I like them both, and Scott is risking an awful lot. He really is. I'm going to go one. One. And it's mostly, I don't care that he saves the day. It's that he saves the day 
while constantly talking about his daughter, who is everything to him, and he knows exactly what's at stake here. Yes. And there are so many parallels with that father-daughter story in this movie. It really is beautifully put together. It's really well done. I mean, you have the relationship between... You know what? I'll save it. I'll save it for, for, for another one. Fair enough. Villains. Is it Walton Goggins? Is it the FBI? <laughs> is it Ghost? Uh, there's just more obstacles than villains. There's a lot of obstacles. But at the same time, all of these obstacles are really great. They are, but are they necessary? Because the Get Janet is hard enough right? that it feels like the obstacles are kind of just there for a little more character development, but also for a runtime. That's true. I mean, if the movie was just, hey, we need to get Janet out of the quantum realm, it could be five minutes. Exactly. I think I'm going to go like a .25, and it's mostly just for the Goggins bump. I feel like that's too low, personally. I'll go to point .5. I think point .5 is dirty. I think point .5 is good. I mean, let's, okay. let's keep in mind, Jimmy Woo is actively acting against Paul Rudd this whole movie. Yeah, but he's so, so delightful. He's technically- I, I don't see him as a villain. An antagonist, so. That's true. Point .5. We don't have to feel good about it. Parents or teamwork? What are we doing here? I normally would say we should go parents on this one, but the movie is called Ant-Man and the Wasp. Right. So it is a team based on the title. Based on the title. The, the titular team-up. And they all had to do quite a bit. They did. And uh, along the way, there were some bumps, but... Sure. At the end, they, they got it together. They ended up with the lab in the right hands eventually, and... I'm going to go 0. 0.75. 0. 0.75, yeah. <laughs> I cannot go with a full-blown one. No. Mostly because I'm a sane human being. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Let's talk about female characters. Hope Van Dyne kicks a ton of ass. Absolutely. Ghost kicks a ton of ass. Cassie, absolutely delightful. Janet, strong as hell, despite being stuck in a prison. Yes. For that long, I'm going to go 1-5. I love it, and I fully agree. I also like that Peyton Reed insisted on making sure that the Wasp got equal billing, equal publicity, and equal merchandise for the film. I love it. That's the way it should be done. Absolutely. Setting. San Francisco. San Francisco. And we know it's San Francisco because we see a lot of landmarks. We see a ton of San Francisco landmarks. I'm just going to go one. Sure. It's clean and easy. It's like I know where I am, and that's enough. And they build in the funny little curvy street into a chase scene. They and I do. love it. It's great. And I should look up the name of it. Same. I should know the name of this funny little curvy street, too, but it's more fun to say funny little curvy street. I just Googled funny little curving street San Francisco. It's Lombard Street. It of popped up right away. it's Lombard Street. So they know exactly what it is with the funny <laughs> little curvy street. And not to mention, the quantum realm looks fantastic. It looks unbelievable. And that is a risk. It is. I feel like to put on screen. Yeah. One for setting. Let's talk about the style and tone. I'm going to go with a 1.5 to start. Yep. And it's mostly because we finally get on-screen tardigrades. <laughs> finally. We've been asking for so long. The most indestructible thing in existence, and they made them gigantic and almost eat a ship. Yeah. And uh, I loved it. In one of the early scripts, they were supposed to escape the quantum realm, and that was going to be like the whole third act. Was escaping tardigrades? But Peyton Reed was like, that's been done. Like, that is just such a cliche Marvel third act. No. Good for Peyton Reed. Yeah. And if you want to overlook the tardigrades, fine. If you must. Fine. This is once again a heisty comedy movie, just like the first Ant-Man was. Yes. And it works. And... 
Peyton Reed insisted that the film clock in under two hours because he knew it was following Infinity War, which is, you know, two and a half, three hours long in this massive, depressing movie. <laughs> right. And he was like, this is a comedy and it's an action comedy and I don't want it to overstay its welcome. And really, it is to provide levity after the heavy Infinity War. That is impressive to know your spot within the canon. Yeah. And to still deliver on it. Like, that is so difficult to do because Infinity War, I left the theater feeling empty. Same. After going to see this and thinking like, oh, God, I wonder where my best friends are all snapped. And you watch this play out. This is a ball, man. This is so much fun. It was the whole way exactly through. Exactly what the world needed post Infinity War. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that this is a one. It had to do a lot of heavy lifting for the fan base itself to get them out of their deep, dark depressions, probably. That's, that's fair. And it delivers. It does. It, fully. It has that great thematic father daughter relationship thing going throughout with Ava and Bill, and obviously with Scott and Cassie, and with Hank and Hope. Just a lot of nice... And giant tardigrades. And giant tardigrades. Thematically fantastic. Full-blown one. Music. There's nothing that really stands out, but it's appropriate. It is appropriate, and it definitely reuses the Ant-Man theme from the first movie. Uh, Christoph Beck, by the way. Christoph fucking Beck, yeah. Yeah, Christoph fucking Beck. That's what I said. I couldn't even hum the Ant-Man theme if I wanted to. Uh, Fair. And (laughs) that's... Yeah, exactly where I was going, I think. (laughs) They did use the Wasp theme more in this movie because it was new and they wanted it to be differentiated from the Ant-Man soundtrack. But at the end of the day, it was an appropriate but not memorable soundtrack. 0.25 for being appropriate because that's half the battle sometimes. How about a 0.25 bump for the Baba Yaga song? Sold. 25 seconds of gold. (laughs) 0.5 for music, which brings us to one-liners. Paul Rudd movies are tricky for one-liners because just about everything he says is a one-liner. Right. I think the world's greatest grandma line is terrific. Absolutely. Baba Yaga, I think, is terrific. Baba Yaga. (laughs) And I feel like that's all I got for this one. Yeah, I agree. There's not a whole lot that you're going to go quoting. I'm going to go 0.25. 0.25. Appropriate. And finally, the impact on the genre. So I want to start at a two. Oh, boy. And let me explain why. Because this movie exists strictly to get everybody out of their post-Infinity War funk, but then it drops a bomb on us mid-credits. It sure does. It's like Because it sets up the entirety of Endgame in a way. It really does. It's like, hey, you feeling real good? Now guess what? <laughs> Gotta remind you, folks are getting snapped. Also, Scott Lang is now trapped. And boy, I bet you hope he comes back at the most appropriate time to kind of save the day. We sure hope so, but we're going to play with you with that question mark to make you wonder. It is a brilliant mid credit scene. Yeah. And yeah, it has nothing to do with just about the rest of the movie in a way. Right. They did build the quantum tunnel. Fine. That is kind of what the movie's about. But that mid credit is just an absolute bomb Absolutely. for what's about to come forward. Totally agree. I'm going to go with a ridiculous two, strictly based on a mid credit scene. Big old two, which is actually going to make this one of our higher scored movies. Really? Ant-Man and the Wasp gets a total score of nine and a half. Wow. That's huge. Brian, I think we fanboyed a little bit. I think we are guilty of fanboying (laughs) slightly, you know? (laughs) Uh, Whoops. It's all arbitrary. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Right? You can't hold our feet to the flame on this. This is all from the gut, in the moment. (laughs) 
It's a good feeling in the gut right now, though. I love this movie. This movie is so much fun. Brian, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we are going to be talking about Dennis the Menace. With Walter fucking Matthau. Yeah. I haven't seen this movie in 20 years, conservatively. Easily. I'd probably closer to 25. Again, that's why I said conservatively. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember anything. I remember absolutely nothing about this movie. Perfect. I can't wait to talk about Dennis the Menace. (laughs) Going to be a great time. Until then, be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month for Blues Brothers. Email us your questions and comments to katepodcasters at gmail.com and follow us on social media at katepodcasters where we always put up our recording posts on our recording days and ask for your questions and comments. And we got a few. Jeff Miners asks, which did you enjoy Walton Goggins in more? Justified or the Hateful Eight? The Righteous Gemstones. Vice Principals. (laughs) Perfect. Boom, everything. It's Goggins. Phil Hawkins asks, Ant-Man, Wasp, Spider-Man, Mantis, Scorpion, Blue Beetle, The Tick. Why are there so many insect and arachnid superheroes? If DC or Marvel tasked you with coming up with a new anthropod-based character, what would it be, and what are their powers? All right, bear with me. I'm thinking a rich guy who's got all these gadgets. Call him the Green Hornet. I like it quite a bit. (laughs) And Phil Hawkins wants to know, does Black Widow count? She really doesn't lean into the whole arachnid aspect of her name. That's true. She's she's more of like the... uh... You know, the evil uh, femme fatale type, even though she's not evil, you know? Right. And my character's going to be the human centipede. <laughs> I love it. I don't know what the powers are, but it's going to be like in MacGruber when he starts shoving like celery up his ass to cause a distraction. I feel like you just roll out the human centipede. Sure. And you're not going to be able to look away. It's the perfect distraction superhero. It really is. The human centipede. Good job. And Stephen Baker asks... If you could shrink down and enter someone's body using that ship thing a la Space, who would it be? And I got mine right away. I feel like the, the there's an obvious answer, and it's John Malkovich. You want to go that direction of it? <laughs> oh, I don't... I mean... You want a small door and then just be in Malkovich. Maybe it's just low-hanging fruit or the easy answer, but... I would go Bill Murray and just have a whole Osmosis Jones situation going on. Okay, yeah, there is that... Just magic school bus everybody. Why not? Now, let me ask you this, though. Why don't we ask Moses Jones, John Malkovich, as a little mix-em-up? Oh, I think we just landed the perfect sequel. TM, 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 TM. We just created a trilogy out of two existing movies that have nothing to do with each other. (laughs) Nailed it! Human geniuses. That's who we are. (laughs) We try. Guys, thank you so much for your questions. Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week for Dennis the Menace. Same quantum pod time. Same quantum pod, Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga.